1: Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad (laughs) Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams Now Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins On the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos
2: 6.30 Chad
0: Here we are hour number three underway here. Thursday evening edition of the show 6.30 chat inside sports Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins who's down in Buffalo, New York NHL entry draft coverage begins tomorrow at 4 o'clock round one begins at 5. Oilers pick fourth overall or will they? Hmm. Now we'll see. We'll see what happens for sure. So uh, Reed's down there. Bob Stoffer's down there. Jack Michaels is down there. Anything breaks beforehand, we'll let you know during the show. Of course, they got it covered. And same thing on Saturday as rounds 2 through 7 will take place between 8 and 11, and 6.30, Ched, will have live coverage. Uh, As we give you this Crystal Glass scoreboard brought to you by Crystal Glass for all your glass needs, call 310 Glass Today. Pretty simple scoreboard here tonight. It is night one of regular season play in the Canadian Football League. We're through the preseason, finally! Thought we'd never get there some days. Uh, Hamilton uh, leads by a score of, now, 25-19. to 19. They were up 25-6. Toronto scores, and then Brandon Banks... <laughs> <coughs>, coughs up the football. Oh, yeah. On a return, and now Ricky Ray has uh, just thrown a touchdown pass. It's funny how things change in this game of football. It's getting good. There's only four minutes
3: left in the third quarter, too, so that fourth quarter is going to be massive it for both
0: these teams. Uh, Ricky Ray has just hit. Uh, who is that? That he just tossed it to? It looks like Tori. No, Vidal Hazelton. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is now 25 to 19. Don't know if they're going for two yet or not. A 10-yard toss, Ricky Ray, to uh, Vidal Hazelton. And they are going for the uh, PAT, and it is good, so it is now 25-20. We got ourselves a barn burner, night one, CFL regular season play. We're going to get a barn burner on Saturday afternoon at Commonwealth Stadium, on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium, and it's the Grey Cup rematch in quotations between the uh, Eskimos and Red Blacks, and uh, I'll be there. Morley Scott will be there. Brendan Albrecht, so will this man. Our in-game analyst on Eskimo broadcast here on 630 Chad Blake Duramod. Hey, Blake, how you doing tonight?
2: Hey, Dave. uh, With everybody gone down to Buffalo, it's a good thing they left the smart guys at home.
0: Oh! Oh, yes, indeed. But you included me in that. That's uh... yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, that's good. I'm, I'm just checking. So there you go. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you're watching this football game, but it's funny I'm how...
2: It every minute of it. Oh, yeah.
0: my goodness. This this game has turned. It's the tale of two, uh, two Toronto Argos teams. My goodness. But...
2: Well, it was, uh, you know, with Simone Lawrence uh, beating Toronto uh, as badly as they were until Ricky Ray in the last uh, couple of minutes got a couple of touchdowns. But how about Simone Lawrence... Uh, did he, he, I don't think he ever looked that good in an Eskimo jersey, but uh, <laughs> holy smokes, he's had a, a whale a first half.
0: No, he hasn't. That's probably the, the one trade that Ed Hervey made that he probably regrets. Well, I don't know if he regrets anything, but if, you, if you're if you looking at it from our perspective, it's definitely the one trade that didn't work out for him, uh, yeah. losing Simone Lawrence. But, hey. He's won a great cup since then, and Simone Lawrence is still looking for a great cup. But uh, Hamilton's Hamilton seems to be that team, Blake, that's, you know, they're really banging on the door in 2016. The, they've been close the last few years, went to a couple great cups, uh, lost by a miracle catch by uh, Greg Ellingson last year. Uh, we all know that story. But, you know, everyone's looking at the cats. as, is this the year they bust the door down?
2: Well, and, and I would have said that if they had a healthy uh, Zach Laris that this is the year they bust the door down. But, but this is going to be very similar to where the Eskimos were last year. You know, the number one guy is out. And they had Masoli, who ended up winning that Eastern final last year and going to the great, uh, you know, at least, sorry. Uh, they were one game away from it, uh, and, and he, he, was, he was the guy. Masoli was the guy who, who was able to sort of try to, when he didn't hurt the team, and if he can manage a game, they can stay in games and allow this defense of Hamilton to be able to to win games and and you saw that in the first half what they were able to do with Toronto. So is this is what is this what Hamilton? I think going into by the time Kolaris gets back, if they are they're talking potentially six weeks, he mm-hmm. could be out. If they're four and two. Or uh, three and three, I think Hamilton's going to think that that's hugely successful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you mentioned six weeks, and uh, Zach Galeros has been placed on the six game injured list to start the season, uh, still dealing and recovering with that uh, injured knee. So uh, let's talk about this Eskimo team. They're the defending Grey Cup champions. Uh, I know you didn't see the first preseason game, but trust me, they won that in Calgary 23 uh, 13. They beat the uh, Saskatchewan Roughriders 25 uh, 11. You were at that game, of course on our broadcast at uh, at the on the brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium uh, I know it's a two and0 preseason and I don't know what you take you know how much you take stock in the preseason but let's try and do that right now w- what do you take away from this Eskimo team uh, in the preseason what they were able to achieve
2: well you, you, it's a good thing you brought this up because preseason is very difficult to evaluate you know when you you talk about um, uh, you know your quarterback going into a game and and last year's season had five plays this year a little bit more than that but i think it was probably close to about 10 offensive plays so so you're really not getting a, a true look at your your number one offense your number one defense but what you do get to look at is and what you get to evaluate is what your depth is like and i really like the eskimos depth this year i mean we knew we saw and we made comments of this all, all last season about the depth that they had those the best year that they had when you know it was a next guy up attitude Mm -hmm. and you see that with with when you look at especially in the defensive secondary where you've got such a big turnover the largest turnover turnover of any group and i thought those guys did a pretty good job in the first two games they you know with with people now of course with ojo out and and uh for basically gone for the majority of the season if not the whole season they uh they've they've got a a group of no-name guys that we don't know anything about but believe me by about um, a game or week number four, we're going to know who these guys are, and uh, that's the one thing that the Eskimos organization has done such a good job of, and a better job since since Ed Hervey's been the general manager is they've established a certain amount of depth. So if somebody goes down they don't lose a lot of ground
0: and you know finding the you know the 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 same type of player too I mean you look at the running back uh uh spot there and if John White goes down and he did last year they have Shakir Bell who who looks like and and plays like John White but you know the the ability to to draft or to uh sign players that if you do get hurt we can bring in the number two guy or maybe 1A and the drop-off isn't as harsh
2: yeah, and that's exactly what – But when I look at the offense this year and you see, you know, they add uh, Getzlaff. They've so got that good veteran Canadian guy in there, and you, you can go out there with, with the addition of Getzlaff. Um, you could virtually start uh, – and, White, of course, White wasn't there at the end of the season. But, but you could start – this. You, you could go with basically the same – what you would have considered the Eskimo starters going into your first game from last year. Their offensive line is intact. Everybody's healthy. Your quarterback's in good shape. Your backup situation is even better. Um, and uh, you've got John White, who's looked really good at the running back position and through training camp. And talking yeah. with Tim Princeton yesterday, he said that, yeah, he's our number one guy. We're going to ride him, and he's looked really good. So, so I think that, uh, that um, their offense, and with the play calling of Jason Moss being a little bit more aggressive than last year, I think they're going to be a little bit more exciting to watch. And from what I saw in the game and from the stats from the the first game, there's not a lot of step down from that defense. I know they lost some key personnel, but you know you you're throwing Neil King at safety and he you you guys talked about him last week and and in, in the first game he he's looked very, very good and comfortable, and he's not a uh, a new face to the league he's been around for a while and he but he's he's with you know Kouchimiwamba and Dubasson those guys out of the uh, out of the mix for now. Uh, Neil King has stepped in and it's been seamless
0: yeah absolutely he's been phenomenal and the team brought Koshi Mwamba back but he's going to have to work his way back onto the lineup into the lineup and uh, we talk about depth and uh, Koshi Mwamba is going to be a depth player and it's funny how things can change in this business say eh? in this crazy business of football Koshi Mwamba is a starting safety from the Grey Cup last year he gets hurt in training camp and Neil King comes in and is and just too good to, to, to not give him the starting safety job
2: well, and and remember too, I think it was three years ago. Neil King was a starting safety for the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the Grey yep. Cup game. So, so that's why I said, you know, you you lose one guy, and that's the one thing that the Eskimos have done is they've really they they brought the competitiveness back for the for the uh, each position, and uh, and and they they've made it so that it, if you go down, boy, you you could lose your spot. You you want to stay healthy and there's some really good people in behind you. And just Hamilton scored again. So now it's just really turned into a good game.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And Brandon Banks atones for the uh, fumble that led to the uh, last Argo score. And Mazzoli uh, has just tossed a touchdown pass to Brandon Banks. So uh, right now, 31-20, to 20, the Thai Cats in the lead with the uh, point after a two-point convert pending here. So, uh, hey, sign of a good team. Teams know how to... Uh, come back from adversity and definitely Hamilton looks like they've done that here as uh, we're speaking with Blake Dermott our in-game analyst on Eskimos broadcast here on 630 Chat Eskimos and Red Blacks uh, will play each other on Saturday the home opener and season opener for the Edmonton Eskimos 330 is the kickoff or 330 is the pregame show on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium they'll kick off at uh, five o'clock so this is dubbed the Grey Cup in quotes rematch uh, if Ottawa wins, they will not get the Grey Cup. Let's just Let's just, you know, really reinforce that that point here. But I I find it really interesting, and I understand it more. I do understand it some from the Eskimo side of things, and I really understand it from the Ottawa side of things. How they're approaching this game. The Eskimos don't want to talk anything about 2015, anything about the Grey Cup. They're moving on you read stuff and watch stuff out of Ottawa and hear comments and quotes, read quotes, they're thinking about the 2015 Grey Cup. Tell me about that dynamic because you've been on both sides of the coin.
2: Well, when you lose a big game, they always say, you know, like, and I always felt that it was important to not forget that because you never want to forget that feeling of, of you know, how how badly it felt or how, how much you could have done to be better. So you always want to keep that inside of you so that, it, it, you know, to use that in the future to make you better. So I can completely understand how how the veterans and the people that are in Ottawa uh, uh, feel about that, the Great Cup game. Is it, there's something there that they really truly believe is unfinished and they they uh, some business that they've got to take care of. And uh, so for them, it's fine. But, you know, with the Eskimos, they took care of that business last year. It's easy to get by that. And now as, as the defending champion, you can't, you can't even be thinking about last season because everybody's got a target on your, you know, you've got a target on the middle of your back and everybody's gunning for it right from the beginning of the season. So if you start to think about what happened last year, that's exactly where everybody wants you to be. You've got to be moving forward. You know, they've they, they got to make sure that they maintain that view on the rest of the league, which is everybody looking at their back. And, and so, so that's the dynamic. Ottawa's still chasing something that they felt let get away. And Edmonton's already accomplished that, but they've got other goals, and that's to make sure that they, you know, they. What do they say? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's. You have to work real hard to win. You have to work extra hard to, you know, to to stay a winner. And mm-hmm. and that's where Edmonton's at right now.
0: Well, and you look at the dynamic of the Eskimos. They're coached by Jason Moss, who was the offensive coordinator for the Red Blacks last year, who, with five minutes left to go in the Grey Cup game, his team was leading. So he was on the wrong side of that result last year. And here he is now as the head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos, the 2015 Grey Cup champions. And he has talked a lot, Blake, about I've really challenged the veterans. Do you want to win another one? So you got a hungry coach trying to challenge uh, his players, especially his veterans, you know, and and, hey, do you want to win another one or are you good with one? Because I would really like the one because I was in that game last year and I didn't win.
2: Yeah. You know, and, and, and there's been an awful lot of talk about, you know, what Edmonton lost after the Grey Cup. Of course, they lost a coach, coaching staff, and a number of players have left and gone off to uh, some places, Saskatchewan, some NFL, whatever. Ottawa isn't, uh, uh, you know, they're not immune to the, the, the departures of some of these key people as well. Of course, you just brought up Jason Moss, their offensive coordinator, the the guy who directed their offense through the course of the season and put Henry Burris to one of the best Seasons of his career, if not the best season of his career, and, and elevated Ottawa back to uh, you know a, a a power in the CFL, which hadn't happened in an awful long time. And so he's gone. He got you know, one of the one of the sack leaders of the the CFL last year, Capricotti's gone, mm-hmm. and you lose your number one running back to a torn Achilles tendon. Uh, uh, was it about a week ago? So and 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 forget. I, I can't even go through the list because I can't, I don't have it in front of me. But all the other people that are gone, but there's been significant changes in Ottawa as well. So, so when you talk about the nature of, you know, the guys coming in and wanting to win and wanting to make up for last year, there's an awful lot of guys that weren't even there last year in Ottawa, but uh, are, are trying to be brought along by the coaching staff and the management to to, to try to get this hatred and this drive for for uh, finishing. Uh, their season in a positive note rather than finishing it the way they finished it last year.
0: That should be a lot of fun. Blake, uh, look forward to it on Saturday. We'll see you there, pal. Okay. Thanks a lot, Dave. Take care. Blake Dermott, in-game analyst for Edmonton Eskimo's broadcast here on 630. Chad, 3.30 is the pregame show. Morley, yours truly. Blake, Brendan Ulrich will join us when we kick off at five o'clock. It is 3220 now. Start of the fourth quarter at BMO Field, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, who are rooting the party right now. Great atmosphere at BMO. Awesome. Tailgating. Got to buy $4 beer, but hey, it's $4 beer. Come on. In this economy, it's $4 beer. Pretty good deal. Uh, BMO looks awesome. I can't wait to get there. <laughs> In almost two months, Kellen, I can't wait. It looks awesome.
1: Hey, the four dollar beer is still cheaper than it was at Skydome. <laughs> what was it like eight seventy five or oh, something it's for something ridiculous.
0: there? Ridiculous, insane, right? Anything at the Sky Dome was empty and cavernous. Cavernous and <laughs> oh, you know, I was so happy, and you know, I felt bad for the Argos, and I felt bad for them for for years. Yeah, because of the situation they had with Roger Center, and just they were treated like a just a just awful. They had no idea where they were gonna practice, they had no idea where they were gonna, you know, hold meetings and that sort of thing. So they right. they deserve what's happening tonight is their own home. They got a
1: great house and that actually looks like a really fun environment to sit down and watch a
0: football game in. So I get yeah, exactly. Yeah. I guess the point I'm trying to make, I don't miss Roger Center Sky Dome one bit. And the Tailgating outside looked phenomenal
1: before the game. I'm, I'm, I hope that's like a permanent thing out there.
0: Like, and the Argos are Argos are threatening here, so uh, mm-hmm. this has turned into a wild, typical CFL game what, that we all love. We all love the shootouts. Defense, it's okay. Offense, oh, that's awesome. We got a lot of offense in this game. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion.
1: Inside sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad.
0: Day 24. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight. Reed down in Buffalo. NHL draft coverage begins tomorrow at four o'clock. Oilers picking fourth overall. We're here for Action Furnace, home of the fix right or its free guarantee. Visit Actionfurnace.ca. Uh, tough loss for the Eskimos. Donnie Aramisian, who uh, Remember two years ago, he ripped up his knee in the second game of the year. He was out for the season right uh, or early this morning. Oh, not so early, I guess, around 9.30 or so. Uh, the Eskimos announcing that uh, Donna Ramassian is out for the next 10 to 12 weeks with the left triceps injury uh, suffered in the Eskimos preseason win over the Riders last Saturday. He's uh, undergone surgery, successful. Jason Moss, head coach, says it's uh, tough losing an important player along that defensive front. It was a great player for us. Uh, gives us a quality player who's playing in that position that we need. Um, but we're going to have guys that can back him up and mm-hmm. guys that got to go in there and do the job. But no question, it's a big loss for us. Um, but he'll be back by the end of the year, and that, that's encouraging. Eddie Steele, who has known Donnie Ramassian for a long time, feels for his teammate. I came
1: into high school in grade 9. He's two years older. He's in grade 11. Yeah, played with him in high school, then at University of Manitoba, and then back here after I was done with Hamilton. This game doesn't care about anybody. Doesn't care about anybody. He doesn't stop for anybody either.
0: Yeah, that is the truth. And Eddie Steele, he hurt his knee at Commonwealth in 2012, and that was the last game he ever played for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And he signed with the Eskimos in the 2013 season. So Don Oramasian out for 10 to 12 weeks. So hopefully he'll be back around, uh, well, around the three-month mark. So about midway through the season. So they're going to have to fill in. They got some, uh, they got a little bit of depth at the Canadian D-tackle spot. They got some uh, internationals they can mix in there as well. So we'll see what happens. On Saturday on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium, 3.30 pregame show, 5 o'clock kickoff, Eskimos and Ottawa Red Blacks. News is next with Thomas Dias from the 6.30 Shed 24-hour news centre. Got a half hour to go, folks. And that's coming up next.
3: This is Oscar Kleffbaum from your Edmonton Euler, and you're listening to The Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Euler's Radio 630 Shad.
0: There's Oscar Kleffbaum right there. Hope to see him back good and healthy. Another touchdown by the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The Argos made it close for... Feels like a... a like a flash just like that. And Chad then, Owens with the TD, David. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. thirty-nine, thirty-eight, twenty. 20 right now is the score for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So, it was th- Let's let's recap folks what has happened in this game. 25-6 was the lead at one point for the Tiger Cats. The Argos come back and they cut the lead to 5, 25-20, a couple quick touchdowns one off of a turnover. And now Hamilton has said nuts to this. And now the score is 39-20. So back where we all started. Hamilton looking good. Jeremiah Masoli looking good. Ricky Ray, uh, not as good. Doesn't help that he's been sacked four times. It is only week one after all. Schedule continues tomorrow in Winnipeg. The revamped Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Andrew Harris is going to play. Hurt his hamstring in practice a couple days ago. He's fine. He will play tomorrow, make his bomber debut in his hometown of Winnipeg as the Alouettes play the Blue Bombers. And then on Saturday, the late game in Vancouver, Calgary Stampeders visiting the BC Lions. And right here, beyond be on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium, the Eskimos at home to the Ottawa Red Blacks. It will be a 3.30 pregame show. Five o'clock is the kickoff. By the way, first two hours of Inside Sports, they're up on the uh, Inside Sports webpage. So uh, go to 630ched.com, find the Inside Sports webpage. There you go. So uh, back to the uh, where we all started this show, and that was uh, talking about the draft, talking about P.K. Subban, that sort of thing. Well, let's just establish this let's just recap here. Uh, Peter Shrelly, would he trade the number four pick?
1: Um, I, I would listen to uh, and, and I am listening to offers for it. Um, I would I wouldn't rule it out. as I said, the calls have been wrapping up. nothing has really jumped out at me. Um,
0: uh, will you pick it for? It? what's your chance? Oh no greater than fifty percent greater, yeah. <laughs> greater than 50%. Not exactly a very telling answer. Uh, so, yeah, we'll probably pick it, but eh, we might not. Peter Shirelli was very good at saying very little and yet saying a lot. Um, tough to get a number one D in the league.
1: It, it's hard. I mean, you know, over the years we've had discussions with teams I've been with, like, how many true number one D are there. there? Maybe there's 12. So so there's 30 teams and maybe there's 12 number one D. So, not so, so I, I mean, like, to, to, to think that you, you're going to get a number one D... It's tough. It is tough.
0: Jim Matheson, uh, I think, had the uh, very telling statement in that clip. Peter Chiarelli saying there's only, what, maybe 12 number one D-men in the league. And Jim Matheson said, and they're not getting traded. It's hard to do. It's just really, really, really hard to get a number one defenseman. Number one defensemen, more often than not, are groomed. Now, there's been some movement with number one defenseman. I mean, Brett Burns, he didn't start out as a member of the San Jose Sharks. He was a member of the Minnesota Wild. They couldn't decide whether to make him a, a forward or a D-man. So Sharks pick him up, and he's a D-man. He can play forward. You know, Chris Pronger was traded twice. Once to Edmonton, once away from Edmonton. And he got traded again. Uh, to the Philadelphia Flyers, so it does happen, but the deal has to be really good for it to happen. Uh, is there any number one defenseman in this draft, Peter Shirelli? So is there the is one there one team? available? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I thought I answered that. Like there, there might be. <laughs> there might there might be there might be. There's there's definitely twos, but but my point was is that if you pulled all the GMs, and I, I may say there's 12 number one D in the league, maybe there's 18. They, they feel that there's six. So maybe those D that are available in the top end of the draft are can can be a number one.
0: But I wouldn't say there's a clear-cut number one, no. So there you go. Got a lot of number two defensemen. So, there's a $6 million guys. There's three of them. Taylor Hall, Ryan Newton-Hopkins, Jordan Eberle. Will it take trading one of those players to get Defenseman.
1: There, are, there are some situations where I can, I think I can provide a temporary fix that might bridge a gap a little bit. I don't know if that's the route we want to go. Um, I would like to have a, again back to the righty-lefty thing. I'd like to have a kind of a, a solid defender in there that can that can play a versatile game. I can play in the top four. Um, doesn't mean we're going to fix it out in one fell swoop either. So, but you know, I'd like to. I like to get some permanence to to kind of the first step in fixing it. Oh, that costs you more. Yeah, 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 it will cost more. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So there you go. So if you want a permanent solution, that you could get a defenseman and solve your problem for the next few years, great. If you want a stopgap, you can. I mean, you can trade something less to get something that will help you for a year or two. I don't think Peter is in the market for looking for a year or two solutions. I really don't. I think he wants something that he can use today, and tomorrow, and year to year to year to year. So it's it's hard to get a D-man. But does he think he can bring a D-man? And is he confident? Yeah. Can you bring a D-man, Shirelli? Peter Shirelli?
1: Yeah. No, the, the discussions have been have been both plentiful and productive. Yeah, I, yeah, I still feel the same confidence. That we can get a whether it's whether it's prior to tomorrow, whether it's prior to July one, whether it's after July one. So I'm not putting like a an emphasis. I mean, if it's if it's tomorrow, it's going to involve the pick,
0: yeah. right? So so there you go. If it's tomorrow, it's going to involve the pick. So maybe that's forecasting what happens Saturday. Maybe maybe that's when you see a bigger deal being made. Yeah, you never know what can happen though. Uh, Shirelli says right shot D would be nice.
1: I'm I'm leaning towards right shot. Like I, I really f- feel we need the more of the righty lefty in our group. Um, so I'm leaning more towards the right shot.
0: Will he spend money in free agency, which begins a week tomorrow?
1: Um, you, you know we've got we've got we've got cap room. Uh, we've got flexibility. Um, and if we if we decide to go after an expensive free agent, we'll make sure that uh, we're in a good spot cap wise.
0: Definitely, Milan Lucic would fit that bill, and it's going to cost some money to get him. I honestly am not sure if that one makes sense as well, because that's a lot of money and a lot of term for a guy that I think he can help the Oilers. But you know, you got to there's got to be other parts to this that have to go out for this to happen, right? So, And I think if Shirelli really wants Milan Lucic, he will make it happen, so it'll be interesting. Uh, Shirelli's in his second year as GM, by the way.
1: Yeah, Anytime you can spend a full year uh, in the locker room and, and from the press box and and to know how your coach is going to integrate and uh, to know the personalities, to see them away from the rink, definitely get a better appreciation, a better evaluation. Um, I you know, you're def- I'm definitely in a better spot to to uh, to address the needs of this team now, as anyone would be after one year.
0: Does Shirely feel that he needs to shake up the culture?
1: Well, I, I think whenever you have a, a string of, of uh, unproductive years, I think you have to look at everything, including that. So it's something we're looking at, and it's something that, uh, having spent a year uh, on top of it, that you can you can you can sense that certainly. It, it may be self-fulfilling because that's all it's talked about, but y- you know, you you get a sense of it a little bit, and it's it just it's an area when you know when you lose, you gotta you gotta fix things and you gotta make changes. So that's that's what we're looking at doing.
0: There's also this uh, talk holding around that Shirelli has made an offer to Columbus for the number three pick.
1: Well, I'm not going to talk about any specific discussions on that stuff,
0: but um, we will. You know, we're 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 talking up and down the draft. So he didn't say no either. <laughs> that's another interesting aspect. I mean, the number the number three pick looks like it will be Jesse Um I guess they could trade up and take Kachuk. I don't know. So we'll we'll see. I mean, there's only one spot he can trade up to, and that's three. If Columbus wants to do that, but it sounds like Yarmo Kekalainen, the general manager, doesn't want to do that either. They want to stay at three. They're not moving to two. They're not moving to one. So it's only three and right now the blue jackets are saying mm-mm, not doing it not doing it uh this is uh, it i found this interesting as well and this probably is maybe down well it is down the list as far as maybe the priorities for peter chiarelli but uh backup goalie well
1: you know, you're going to draft a goalie, Jim, and he won't be ready for six or seven years. I mean, if, if we're going to address the goaltending now for the, for the backup, uh, I think Bussois will, will challenge, and uh, we may look to add uh, someone else to challenge too. But not not the draft. Yeah, it's, too, yeah. it's too early. To, yeah.
0: So there you go. Um, an impactful goaltender. You know, someone that, I mean, you know, um, the goaltender out of Everett. I can't remember his name now. <laughs> Bad, bad. Anyway, he was named the uh, the goaltender of the year uh, in the WHL. If you can uh, help me out here, six thirty, six thirty, or if, Callan, you can look it up. <laughs> I'm on great. it. I'm on it. Uh, there you go. Just totally slipped my mind. Because um, there was talk that the Oilers might be interested in maybe that pick, but if you, you know, maybe, maybe that player. But if you do that, then you're not... Uh, Okay, I've run a couple names past yeah. you here. Uh, Carter Hart. That's the one.
1: That's yep. him. Carter right.
0: Hart, and he's local. He's from uh, he's from the... Sherwood Park. Sherwood Park, that's mm-hmm. right. So y- you heard Peter Shirelli. If you draft a the goaltender, then you're going to have to wait for them. Laurent Persuas is 23 years old. So he is knocking on the door to possibly grabbing a spot here. It, is, it was clear last year Laurent Persuas struggled with NHL shooters. Clearly. He did. And, you know, he had one start the year before and he made, I don't know, like 40 plus saves against the San Jose Sharks. And then we all got, uh, you know, we all got our, you know, eyes like wide as saucers and going, wow, look at what Lawrence Bersois did. And he's impressive. I mean, I followed him in junior, covered enough playoff games with the Oil Kings to know that this, this guy is a, a definite. Uh, goaltender at that level and in the international scene and whatever Um, and I thought it was a really good trade when the Oilers went, you know, that was one of the good trades that Craig McTavish did uh, was to pick him up for Ladislav Schmid but he's probably not ready for the backup spot. Good enough to challenge for it but goalies take a long time to season. There's not many carry prices out there who just come on the scene or Marc-Andre Fleury's and are impactful very early in their career. It just doesn't happen that way too often. So I can see the Oilers in the market for a backup goaltender. Unlike last year when they needed two, they just need one. Cam Talbot's the guy. So I think that's good news for the Oilers. So, But I think they, yeah, absolutely, they need to draft. Um. Or they not draft a goalie, but uh, groom the guy you have. I think Persuas has potential. But have someone that can kind of bridge the gap until Persuas is ready to take that step. Maybe he's ready this year. I don't know. Uh, Matthew Kachuk seems to be the guy that's going to be drafted by the Oilers if they keep the pick at number four. And Kachuk, intrigued by Edmonton. There's a lot of speculation about
3: uh, number four overall and maybe that's your slot. I mean, have you thought about possibly becoming an Edmonton Oiler and what that that would mean? Yeah, you know, the thought definitely sneaks in your mind and and you picture yourself with certain teams, but you don't want to get too focused in on one team because you never know what's going to happen. But, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to uh, get to know the Edmonton, you know, staff and management. And I obviously know a lot about their players and, and they're an up-and-coming team and it'd be special to be a part of a team like that. Anything they communicated to you about, you know, a possible role or what it would mean for you to be an Oiler if it goes that way? No, no, there, there's no talk about that. But um, I think I know what type of player I'm going to have to be to be successful in the NHL. And I think they know that too. You mentioned talking about thinking about going to organization. Uh, you imagine yourself playing with Connor McDavid. Has that crossed your mind at all? Yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously hasn't. He's such a special player, and you know, one of if not the best player in the NHL. And um, you know, he's going to make a team, you know, a contender quickly. So um, you know, the, that team's got a lot of you know promising future ahead.
0: And definitely that would be uh, a good fit, Connor McDavid, and Matthew Kachuk, and and also a player that. You know, it would fit what Peter Shirley's looking for. This is an agitating, nasty, annoying player to play against. Oh, like his father, Keith. Keith Kachuk. He was exact same way. And someone that uh, plays above his gifts, I would say. So when you look at him, you go, okay, maybe not the best offensive talent, but he just find he's tenacious. He's tenacious. Dots in. He is – has a nose for the net, Gets gets physical – gets his nose dirty, and has a lot of offensive, um, you know, flair, I don't know, is the right word, but he's got an offensive ability, and he's just really tenacious, and that's someone the Oilers, I think, would really covet in their lineup. Uh, has Matthew Kachuk received any advice
3: from his dad, Keith? He, he obviously went through this whole process, and he's he's a scout for the Blues, so he sees it firsthand. And. And you hear all the rumors, and you hear all that, and and you can't focus on a team that's going to draft you. You're getting drafted in the NHL, and, and that's all that matters. And um, I'm, I just want to have the chance to to make an NHL team and and be a part of one and um, have a successful career. How about being drafted higher than he was? Um, that's something that uh, hasn't re- haven't really thought of too much. But if that would happen, uh, I guess it's bragging rights for that part. But he had an awesome career and. I bet he'd tell you that it doesn't matter where you get drafted and it's about what you do after. And um, He had over 500 goals and, and played a lot of games, so um, I guess that's a, that's a, that's a feat I'm going to have to try to match. If not, uh, do a little bit better than Keith
0: Kachuk drafted 19th overall by the Winnipeg Jets in 1990. Matthew Kachuk probably 4th overall tomorrow at the NHL Entry Draft. A tough injury in uh, Toronto. Jermaine Gabriel starting safety for the Toronto Argos. Uh, head-to-head collision with a Hamilton Tiger Cap player. And uh, the card is out. Players are surrounding him. I hate this scene. I just hate this scene. This is the worst part of the game, folks. And it just brings me back. I say it all the time. I just remember Kellen, Jason Tucker, 2008, when he broke his neck in Hamilton. I remember J.R. LaRose, too,
3: in Edmonton here, when he
0: was with, what was it, B.C.? Yeah. He broke his leg. That's right. That's right. So, Mm. it's tough. It's tough. And uh, right now, it's 39-20, or 38-20, the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats out in front of the Toronto Argos in the fourth quarter of play. So, likely, we're going to see the ambulance out here. And, And, you know, quite often, these are not as serious as it looks, but, You take every precaution that you can. I mean, I remember the same thing happened in the 13th season with Armando Sewell. Uh, He got uh, injured in Calgary at a kickoff, and uh, he was back in a couple weeks. So you hope this isn't serious, but uh, it's never good when you see all the players around And all the coaches, medical staff, and uh, surrounding a player. And you see the stretcher and the cart and the ambulance. It's a bad scene. So uh, the game has taken a backseat to this situation with Jermaine Gabriel, Gabriel, the starting safety of the Toronto Argos. It's uh, coming up to 8:51. We'll wrap up Inside Sports here in a moment.
1: To inside sports
0: with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader 6:30 uh, Hamilton out in front doesn't really matter at this point. Uh, what matters is uh, Jermaine Gabriel, the starting safety for the Toronto Argos, was moving his hands and arms and legs, and that's good sign. So uh, hopefully. The fact he got uh, stretchered off was, uh, or carted off, was just precautionary. So, uh, but Jermaine Gabriel, yeah, he was waving and putting his, uh, giving the thumbs up sign. So, uh, not a very, uh, not a very fun situation in Toronto right now, as it looks like the Hamilton Tiger Cats are going to win the first regular season game of the 2016 CFL schedule, and uh, they're out in front by a score 39 to 20. Eskimos in action on Saturday against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Grey Cup, rematch in quotations. Uh, the return game kind of taking shape. Um, I think it's still being very much evaluated, but uh, Joe McKnight, who had a adventure in the first half against the Riders, uh, didn't really understand the rules, didn't field punts very well. Kenzel Doe did. He had 69 yards Combined and would have had more. He had a long return, about 30, 40 yards called back because of penalty. I talked with Corey McDermott, the special teams coordinator of the uh, Eskimos, and he said, Yeah, in this league, you must pick the ball up and catch the ball. On returns, yeah, and and we drill them with that from you know play one that we want everything in the air
3: caught. You know everything has to be caught. So um, you know, and then it's gauging you know the legs because there's more crossfield kicking in this league. You know, again, like I said, the wider field, so so guys aren't uh, just you know
0: high hang time punts like in the states, right down the middle of the field, and those kind of things. Yeah, the only time you really don't field a punt is if you're near your own goal line. Let the ball go into the uh, end zone, give up the single, and uh, field the ball on the 35 yard line. 3:30 kickoff. At Commonwealth Stadium on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium, kickoff is at 5 o'clock. Ben Simmons is a Philadelphia 76er NBA draft tonight. Philadelphia selected the LSU forward, first overall in the NBA draft in Brooklyn, New York. Simmons joins a team that went a league worst 10-72 and 72 last season, one of the worst records ever in the NBA in their history. Duke freshman forward Brandon Ingram, second player selected by the LA Lakers. Raptors selecting Utah forward Jacob Purtle with the number nine pick in the NBA draft. The seven-foot-one center from Vienna, Austria, will be a big boost to a Raptors front court that will likely be without Bismack Biyombo next season. Uh, Purtle earned a Pac-10 uh, Pac-12 Conference Player of the Year award this past spring. Kitchener, Ontario's Jamal Murray, is heading to the Denver Nuggets. They selected the Canadian with their first pick, seventh overall, Milwaukee Bucks. They took Thon Maker at number 10. Maker's originally from Sudan, but spent this past year at the Athlete Institute in Orangeville, Ontario. Tomorrow, four to nine. NHL draft coverage, first round. Reed Wilkins, Bob Stauffer, and Jack Michaels. Kellen Kennedy will be behind uh, flying the ship Tomorrow, you'll fly the ship tonight. Thank you very much, sir. Looking forward to it. Gonna be fun. It will be good. It will be good. Have a great night, everyone. Thanks for listening. What will the oilers do with that fourth overall pick? 630 Chad
1: Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.